0: Father, thank you for the message of the cross the message of your great love for us and the new lives that we have to live I pray now that you would open our hearts and fill us with the Holy Spirit that we might understand even greater that new life that you have for us to live we rely on you for it, God and we ask for you to strengthen and guide us in Jesus' name we pray, amen Easter is over Now what? Some of you have some leftover ham that you need to take care of? Uh, Leftover chocolates we can help with, uh, if you have any of those. Uh, For some people when they hear that Easter is over and the question, now what? Their answer is, all right, we don't have to go to church for another nine months. Well, thankfully that's none of you here. I thank you for showing up the week after Easter Sunday. But yes, we are done with Easter. If you're a person who crosses off days on your calendar, you can cross off that day. But the more I think about it, the more I realize that the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. That is the central moment in history. And the fact of the new life of Jesus Christ means that we who know him have a new life to live. And the power of the resurrection should change our lives daily. In Mark 16, some of the women who had been following Jesus, they bought some spices, and they were on their way to the tomb to anoint the dead body of Jesus. But something happened that changed everything there. They went there, think about this, looking for a dead body. What they found instead was an empty tomb. In Mark 165 5-7, it says, As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. That's the phrase I want to focus on for right now. There you will see him just as he told you. What the followers of Jesus learned that day is that Jesus still leads his people. And that's my big idea for today, is that Jesus still leads his people. Twenty-three times in the New Testament, Jesus said, follow me. He wanted people to come to him, to learn from him, to be his disciples, and eventually to send them out into the world. And what we see now, I, I think it's clear from the resurrection as well, is that Jesus still leads his people. Now it might sound weird to, to say it that way. We we might be more comfortable saying God leads His people or God leads us through the Holy Spirit. But I've been thinking a lot about this this week, and I think it is very accurate to say that Jesus leads His people. Remember in the Great Commission, Jesus said, "All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples." He has authority. The New Testament repeatedly calls Him Lord, and if He's our Lord, it means that we live our lives in submission to Him. I, I have other reasons, and I'll, I'll tell you some of those as we go along today, but. I, I want you to know the big idea for today is that Jesus still leads his people. Now, let me use an illustration that might help clarify some of this. Let's say that you had plans to drive down to some small town in southern Minnesota that you've never been to, never even heard of before, and you were going to drive in your car and you were going to follow somebody else in their car. They knew the way, and you were going to follow them on Tuesday. Well, let's say that that person, sadly, died today. I would suggest that if that were to happen, that you would change your Tuesday plans. You would no longer want to think that you could go out and follow that person down to southern Minnesota, because they're dead. But there's something very different about the death of Jesus Christ. He died, but he is alive again. And the fact that he is alive again means that he wants to continue to lead his people into the new life that God has for us. The book of Ephesians talks about a resurrection power at work in us who believe. The the Apostle Paul is, is praying that the people of Ephesus would know this power at work in us, that power that is like the mighty power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That is the power at work within us. It's the power for us to live a new life. So yes, we're done with Easter, but we should never be done with the resurrection of Jesus the fact that Jesus is alive again changes everything so my sermon today is about how Jesus still leads us and we're going to look at some of the last things that Jesus said the the night before he was crucified we're going to look at a section of the Bible John 13-17 through I'm going to give some of the some of the highlights you might call them although I think they're all highlights some of the things that Jesus said to his followers the night before he was crucified now this is really just a quick note version of it uh, about four years ago I preached a nine week sermon series on John 13 through 17 so a lot of what I'm going to say today comes out of my study from that and I, I just want to point out to you three things that, that Jesus says to his followers to show that he still wants to lead his people and these are three things that I am personally passionate about now we human beings get passionate about a lot of things. Maybe, maybe you're not a passionate person, maybe you only get passionate about a few things, but I think that we all get passionate about some things. And, and You know, you could say that there are other things that I'm passionate about, things like playing basketball or you know, well, uh, other things. But the things that I'm going to talk about today are things that, that God has told us that we should be passionate about. And as such, I am very passionate about these three things, and I hope that you will see them is God's plan for your life as well, something that you can get on board with. Grab onto and say, yes, this is the purpose of my life. So my big idea is that Jesus still leads his people. And my first point underneath that is that Jesus wants us to be made holy by the Word. Jesus wants us to be made holy by the Word. Flip to John seventeen seventeen. This is Jesus praying so I think the way that we best understand this is in John 13 through 16 Jesus was conversing with his disciples and then in John chapter 17 he stopped and prayed and his disciples are listening to him pray and this is what he says in his prayer in John 17:17. 17, 17. he says, Sanctify them by the truth your word is truth the word sanctify is a word that simply means make holy so Jesus is asking the Father to make his followers holy And this we know from the rest of the Bible is the very heartbeat of God for his followers, that he wants to make us more like Christ. He wants us to be made holy. And eventually we know in in eternity that we will be completely glorified so that we can live forever in a a holy state, in a holy place as, as God's holy people. But for now, what God wants to do is to take us from where we're at and to make us increasingly more holy. That's the process of sanctification. That's what God wants to do in our lives. And what we learn from Jesus here is that God wants to do that through his word. And if we look at the previous verses in John 17, we see more of what Jesus meant by that. In verse 6, Jesus says, he's praying again, but he says, I have revealed to you those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. So Jesus was revealing the Father through the word. And then in verse 8, Jesus says, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. And then again in verse 14, Jesus says, I have given them your word. Jesus came to do many things on this earth. But one of the main things that he came to do was reveal the Father. And the way that he revealed the Father was by giving the Father's word to us. And then what Jesus says in verse 17 is, As that word comes to us, as it has its intended impact in our lives, we are changed, we are sanctified to become more like the people that God has created us to be. God's word has the power to change us (coughs) and to make us holy. I believe that the Word of God has tremendous power to change us. Do you believe that? In our day and age, there are a lot of people who would say that the Bible is just a book written by men. You, just like any other, you go to Barnes and Noble, you pick a book off the shelf, it's written by an author, they, they say that's what the Bible is. Now it's older, written 2,000, 3,000 some years ago, but it's just man's idea allow me to show you why I believe that it's more than that so I'm going to take a little side trip here maybe about a a little three minute side trip but I think it's important for us to have an answer to the question why do we believe that the Bible is the word of God I have a four part reason to answer that question and some of you may want to take this down others of you I'm not insulted if you don't but uh, four reasons why I believe that the Bible is the word of God the first three build off of each other and my first reason is this Jesus did Jesus believed that the Bible is the Word of God. In John 10.35, he said, Scripture cannot be broken. Jesus based his life and his ministry on the Word of God. And if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Now, that really should end the story. But, but some people might object to that and they say, Oh, okay, so you're saying that the Bible is the Word of God because in the Bible it says that it's the Word of God. Well, that's just circular reasoning, they might say. Okay, but, well, that leads me to my second point. The resurrection of Jesus proves that he has the authority to declare the Bible as the word of God. Jesus told his followers ahead of time that he was going to die and rise again, and then he did it. And here's what I say about that. Anyone who has the power over death like that has the power to declare the Bible as the authoritative word of God. Jesus showed by, mir- by miracles and signs and wonders that he is the son of God, that he has authority to make such a claim about the Bible. Now, I think the case is getting stronger, but some people still might object and they might say, well, okay, that might have been true for what Jesus said, but, but what we have today isn't what Jesus said. It's been changed and corrupted over the years. So my third point is that the manuscript evidence shows that we have God's Word in our hands today. Now, this is a very technical argument, and some of you might not care at all about it, but, but it's an important argument, I think, that if, if you would enough to look into this issue, you could go and study, you could study old ancient manuscripts and compare them to the Bible that we have today. And what you will see is that we indeed have God's Word in our hand. Yes, there are translation issues. Yes, there are things that have been uh, that, that are difficult to understand. But the fact of the matter is that we have the Word of God in our hands. Do you know why we have it in our hands? God wants us to God sanctifies us through his word as we submit ourselves to it he sanctifies us he changes us and that leads me to my fourth point and this is a a very personal point for me the bible works It, it changes our lives it's true it makes sense of who we are where we live for about the last 20 years I have been daily reading the bible and it's been my goal not that I've achieved this goal every day I just have to admit that right off the bat, but it's been my goal to open up God's Word and submit humbly and and learn from Him. And what I've found over the last 20 years is that His Word has changed me. And is that a a big pat on the back for Pastor Eric? No. In fact, it's, it's not at all about me. It's about the power of God's Word to change lives. And I'm just telling you my own personal story. I've seen it happen. And it's not just in me. I've seen it happen in the lives of countless other people as well. And some of you, I've seen it happen as well. God's word makes sense of this world. It is powerful. It has the power to change us and to make us holy. In John 17:15, we learn another important reason why we have the Bible. It's because there's an enemy out there. Jesus prayed that his followers would be protected from the evil one. We live in a dark world in Ephesians 2 it talks about Satan as the ruler of the kingdom of the air he and his forces are actively at work in this world to deceive us to get us to follow something counterfeit the Bible then is the light so as Jesus is praying that his followers would be protected from the evil one two verses later he says sanctify them by the truth your word is truth we need the Bible in this dark world so application how should we treat the Bible I heard a story of a guy who used it just to prop up his laundry machine his his clothes washer because one of the legs was just a little bit too short so he stuck the Bible under there is that what we should no obviously not we should be regularly and I would encourage you I would urge you we should daily be opening up our Bibles and not just reading the words not just treating it like it's any other book but as we read it, we're talking to God, and we're saying, God, would you sanctify me through this? Would you help me to know and to apply what you want me to know and apply? I want to urge you again to do that daily. Let it soak in. Uh, a friend of mine, Katie Michelson, some of you know her, she said that it's kind of like marinating, that we're, we're like a piece of meat, and you, you stick that meat in the plastic bag, and you, you put the marinade in there, and the marinade works itself into the meat, and it changes the meat. And that's what we want the Word of God to do in us. We soak in it daily over long periods of time. So what I mean is every day for the next months and days and years of your life, we're soaking in God's Word and it has the power to change us. Jesus still leads his people. He wants us to be made holy by the Word. That's one of the ways in which he still leads us is to point us to the Word. And then secondly, Jesus wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the most amazing promises from Jesus was given to us in his final words in the book of Matthew, where he said, Surely I am with you always. Now how is Jesus with us? That was a question that Josiah had when he was about three years old. He kept on asking. We, we were teaching him about how we wanted him to have Jesus in his heart. And, and also we've been teaching him at that time that Jesus lives in heaven. And he, he did. How, how is it that Jesus lives in heaven and lives in my heart? And he, he came up with his own answer to that question. Do you remember it, Josiah? You said that Jesus is sometimes in heaven and then he jumps into our hearts and then he jumps out of our hearts and back into heaven and just constantly back, jumping back and forth. Well, that's one answer, and that was a good answer, Josiah, but, but we've been teaching him the right answer. And, and I think that the truth of the matter is that Jesus now lives in us through the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you where where I'm getting that from. In John chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, you want to flip there. Otherwise, it's in our bulletin, too. I want to read for you a a smattering of verses here. First off, I want to read 15 through 20. This is Jesus speaking to his followers. He says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Then verse 23, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And then verses 25 to 26. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The promise from Jesus to his followers was that he would not leave them alone, that he would come to them. The promise was that he and the Father and the Holy Spirit would make their room with them. So when I say that Jesus still leads us, and when the Great Commission says that Jesus is with us always, I think that one of the ways that we need to understand that is by understanding the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is a very difficult concept to grasp, but there's one really important part about the Trinity. The Trinity is united. In the Western world, we oftentimes tend to think of the Trinity as... as three. And and it's right to think of the Trinity as three. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we think of them, well here's what the Father does specifically, here's what the Son does specifically, and here's what the Spirit does specifically. And it's right to think like that, but I also want to encourage you to remember that the Trinity is a unity. So the fact that the, the Holy Spirit lives in us means then, I think, what jesus that's the fulfillment of what Jesus was saying here. When he said, the Father and myself will come and make our home with you, I believe that he, what he meant was that because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we can say that we have that very personal relationship with the Trinity, and as such, Jesus still leads us. Jesus is right now at, in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, reigning. But we can also say that through the Holy Spirit, he lives in our hearts. Now, having said that, I want to emphasize another incredibly important theological truth, and that is that when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we also receive the Holy Spirit. That's part of what happens now at salvation in, in the church age. That to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord means that we, are, that we receive the Holy Spirit. <coughs> the Holy Spirit then is at work in us to lead us into abundant lives and according to verse 26 the Holy Spirit wants to teach us and to remind us of things God wants us to know Him do you know that? do you believe that? God wants us to know Him and as such He has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can know Him the Holy Spirit declares truth to us let me use an illustration here I want you to picture yourself pounding little nails into a wall and let's say you're pounding one of these little nails, and you drop one of them on the floor. And, and you're thinking, yourself, like, oh, I've got to find this. I can't just leave this nail on the floor. So you get down on all fours, and you're, you're walking around on the floor, hands and knees. You're trying to find this nail, and you just can't find it. You're looking all over, and you just can't find it. And I want you to picture another part of this story. I want you to picture it being pitch dark in that room. For some reason you were hammering small nails in a dark room. But, uh, <laughs> but you're on the floor just groping around for that nail in the dark room and you just can't find it. Well, I believe that one of the, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is that he illuminates God's word for us. So to have the Holy Spirit in us then and to be filled with the Spirit is like turning on that light switch and saying, oh, there's that nail It was right there all along. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in us, to, to teach us, to remind us of the truth of Jesus Christ and here's the awesome part about it the Holy Spirit was present with all of the writers of the Bible superintending that whole process of the Bible being written Now, the same Holy Spirit who did that is the same Holy Spirit who lives in us and wants to teach us all things he's called the counselor in this passage that word counselor comes from a Greek compound word which means called alongside so he is the member of the Trinity called alongside of us to guide us into truth. We have a high calling as followers of Christ. There are things that the Bible calls us to do that we could never hope to do on our own. But God gives us the Spirit to strengthen us to do what he calls us to do. In fact, Jesus himself said in, in John 14:12, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And then in verse 16 he told his followers, It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what do we need to do about it then? Well, in Galatians 5.25, it says we need to keep in step with the Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, it says that we should be filled with the Spirit. There's a difference between merely receiving the Holy Spirit, and like I said, we receive the Holy Spirit when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, but we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to keep in step with the Spirit. And that filling is something that we don't do. It's something that God does for us. So one of the ways that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit is to continually go to God and ask Him to fill us. And then as the Holy Spirit is filling us and teaching us and reminding us, it's our job to listen and to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And then as we're reading God's Word, we we understand that these are the words that the Holy Spirit brought about, and we ask the Holy Spirit to show us what these words mean. But I hope you understand that that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I was talking about that with with Ethan Larson just yesterday. Ethan doesn't mind me sharing. And and we were talking about the purpose of the Trinity. It's it's not like God the Father and God the Son have one plan for our lives and then the Holy Spirit has a different plan. They are very much united in what they want to do and, and all three of the members of the Trinity are at work in our lives to make us more holy. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to teach us and to remind us of things so that we can follow, so that we can be sanctified through the Word of God. I've heard the analogy of breathing as well in regard to following the Holy Spirit. Think about when we breathe. What we're doing is we're taking in that life-giving oxygen and that, that oxygen and actually then it becomes part of our body and it courses through our, va- our, our arteries, I guess. And then through the chemical processes somehow that I don't completely understand, that oxygen uh, goes through those processes and is changed into carbon dioxide, which would actually be a toxic gas if we didn't expel it. So what our bodies do then is they expel, (coughs) we exhale that carbon dioxide. So the way it goes then is that the Holy Spirit is reminding us to to take in the good. The, The Bible says, put on the new and take off the old. So our lives, just like we, we constantly are breathing, whether you are thinking about it or not, you are constantly going through these cycles of inhaling and exhaling. And it should be like that with walking with the, with the Holy Spirit. That We should be moment by moment realizing that there are things that God wants us to do that we should be taking in and things that God wants us to repent of, things that we should be exhaling out. <coughs> and just like breathing sometimes we think about it sometimes we don't I think that that sometimes we should be thinking specifically what does the Holy Spirit want me to do in this how do I follow him and keep in step if you want to live that kind of life by the way the, the Holy Spirit filled life is one of love and joy and peace and all these other wonderful things it's a life of obedience to Christ if you want to live that life I suggest that you actively seek it I think too many Christians aren't actively seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know what Jesus said to us in Luke eleven thirteen? He says, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus wants us to. Jesus still leads us. He wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then my third point today, third way that Jesus still leads his people, is that Jesus wants us to make disciples. Jesus wants us to make disciples. In John 17:18, Jesus again is praying and he says to the Father, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Jesus was sent to earth for many reasons. One of those reasons was to reveal the Father. And then as Jesus, the night before he was crucified, was talking with his disciples and praying for them, he said, I'm sending them into the world as well. And unless you think that that's only for the 11 remaining disciples, the last seven verses of John show Jesus praying for all who would believe in him through his message. And he had a purpose in mind for that, that the world would believe, that the world would know. So Jesus was praying for us, and, and the pattern is that, that Jesus, people are drawn to him, they learn from him, they become disciples, and then they're sent out to make disciples so that the world might know. That's where we fit in. We are to follow Christ. And, and the first two things that I talked about today are, are ways for us to be disciples, to grow in our discipleship, to follow the Word, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the third thing that I'm saying now is that Jesus wants us to go out and make disciples. Jesus said in Matthew 28:19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. The, the, word, the word disciple, it simply means learner. Jesus in his public ministry he was teaching and people followed him they, they learned from him they became more like him as they interacted with him that's what it means for us to be disciples we meet with Jesus he changes us and we become more like him then as we do that you could translate the great commission therefore as you are going make disciples so as we're going throughout our lives we're supposed to be praying and looking for those open doors that God gives us and from there we make disciples At Cornerstone Church, we picked up on this. Our mission statement is, a passion to know Christ, commissioned to make Him known. We want to walk with Christ, of course. That's our goal. Individually and and together as a church body, we want to walk with Christ. But we don't just stop there. This is not just personal betterment that we're up to here. It, It includes that, but there's something more. There's another step. And that means that we go out into this world and make disciples. How do we make disciples? Well, we help people know God better. And so if they don't yet know Jesus as their Savior and Lord, obviously that's what they need. So we share the gospel with them. In John 17, 3, Jesus reminded us that eternal life is knowing the Father and knowing the Son. If people don't yet know him, we simply introduce them to Jesus. And if people do know Jesus, then our job is to help them grow in their faith, to come alongside of them, to teach them, to do our our life together with them you see this is God's plan this is not me just telling you to go out there and make a difference this is not a message of grab yourself up by the bootstraps and see what you can do to change the world this is God's plan he is the one who wants people to come to know Christ and grow in their faith he he has the power to make them holy our job is just to kind of say okay God you can use me if you want to And as we're in prayer, as we're walking with Christ, God opens up doors and we make the most of every opportunity. (laughs) And that then becomes our purpose in life. Think of how many people in this world don't know what their purpose is. People walking around this planet and just don't really even know what they're supposed to do and the default answer is you just kind of do what feels good. Pursue your animal desires, basically. Pursue money, sex, Whatever. People just don't know what their purpose is, but we know. We were created by God and for God. We were created for the purpose of knowing Jesus Christ and helping others know him. Jesus still leads his people, he still desires for us to follow him by making disciples. It's a huge task, but God will strengthen us for it. And I want all of us here to be disciple makers. Every one of us who knows Christ, we can help other people know Christ. But Like I said, it starts with prayer. And, and I, I was mentioning this earlier in Sunday school today. I, I love Colossians 4, 2 through 6 on this. It starts with prayer. We're devoted to prayer. And as we're praying, we're asking God to open doors. And as God opens doors, we make the most of every opportunity. With gracious and wise words, we talk to people. We introduce them to Jesus. We help them grow in their faith. So would you look around you and see who it is that God would have you serve in that way? How can you do your part in making disciples? And and that might mean that you just get more involved in what we as a church are doing. Our, Our purpose as a church is to be disciples and to make disciples. So one of the ways that you can do your part in that is to become more involved with what we're doing, to be on board with what we're doing here. We have a plan here at Cornerstone Church, and we would love for you to join with us in that. And then one other thing, specifically about sharing the gospel message with people who haven't heard it yet, we have a unique opportunity in the life of our church to do that over the next month and a half or so. We have the unique opportunity to invite people to our new building. We're going to have a grand opening, like I said, hopefully that will be May 19th. We're, gonna, we're working on putting invitation cards together that you can hand out to people. And, and this is not just a, hey, come celebrate with us. My, my desire in this is that we would be using these cards as an opportunity to invite people to, to become part of our church. That if there are people in your life that you've already been praying for and that you'll continue to pray for, that God is putting on your heart and you, you think that they would benefit by becoming part of Cornerstone Church, then invite them. And, and it should come, I would hope it would come with a little bit of a personal endorsement from you to say, hey, I, I like what's going on at Cornerstone Church. Well, it helps me grow in my faith and I, I think you'd do well to come and join with me there. And you take them along with you. And maybe God will raise that person up as somebody that you can lead to Christ and, and disciple even. So we're going to be giving out those cards and I just want to urge you to be praying for people. I'm going to be crafting my sermons especially with with those people in mind. I'm going to be preaching through Colossians 3 over the first four weeks at our new building and I'm going to be specifically mentioning how how people can get involved with God's plan for their lives so right now I want you to start thinking about who are those people that you can be praying for and inviting okay let's get on here Uh, let's go to the conclusion the resurrection changes everything we have new lives to live Jesus is not still dead If those women went to the tomb and they found Jesus' body and they they anointed him and they ended up burying him and and Jesus' body was still decaying in a grave somewhere, none of what I'm saying matters. But the fact is that Jesus is alive and because he's alive, we have new lives to live. And the truth is that God has given us a lot to do in these new lives. Think about all that God calls us to. Even just the, the two great commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Who here feels completely qualified to do all of that? It's not something we can do on our own. But here's the wonderful thing. God has given us everything we need to live the Christian life. He's given us his word and he makes us holy through it. He's given us the Holy Spirit so that we can be filled and empowered to live the lives we're called to live. And he strengthens us to go and to make disciples. This is God's plan, and He will strengthen you to do it if you submit yourself humbly to Him. God strengthens us to make us His disciples and to make disciples. Jesus still leads His people. Will you follow? Please pray with me. Father, we're grateful so grateful that Jesus is still alive it means salvation for us it means forgiveness of sins and it means a relationship with you and we praise you that you have given us those things in your mercy and God I pray that we would invest our lives in what you have for us that we would humbly submit ourselves to you seeking you in your word allowing you to make us holy through it that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit that we would keep in step with the Holy Spirit. God, would you please teach us what that means? Even on a moment-by-moment basis, help us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we do those things, God, as we go throughout our lives, I pray that we would make disciples. God, we know that that's your plan and the strength comes from you to do it. But would you please make us aware of the opportunities. And as we're praying, would we be wise and gracious with the people that we interact with? And would you use us to introduce people to Jesus? And would you use us to help strengthen followers of Christ to become even closer followers? (coughs) Jesus, we want to be your disciples and we want to follow through on your great commission of making disciples. Father, we pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit towards those ends. May we glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.